Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Business from the Bass Boat Podcast on the Serious Angler Network. And guys, it is snowing in Colorado right now. I am not excited about that. I'm ready for winter to be over. Get out on the water. I'm actually headed out here, hopefully not through a snowstorm, uh, to Lake of the Ozarks to run back the Toyota series that I fished last year. I'm excited about that one. Um, hopefully the fishing's a little bit better. Did well there in the cold, and I'm um, just hoping it's uh, it's more bites and that kind of a thing, but had a great time. Anyways, today's show, super excited for. This is someone I've been wanting to get onto the podcast for a very, very long time. A very um, savvy mindset in the fishing industry and has just a lot of industry experience across a, a lot of different sides of the electronics and boat rigging and little niche products that anglers can use. And that is Justin Russell with Russell Marine Products. And they are out of actually just our neighboring state here in Kansas, which I want to get into that too. That's really cool that it's not necessarily a huge fishing center area, um, at least on a map standpoint. So uh, without further ado, let's get Justin into the stream. Justin. How's it going? What's going on, man? Trying to uh, avoid Snowmageddon here 2.0. We had one here a couple weeks ago, and it looks like we're going to get slammed again. So Friday's supposed to be warm, though. It's it's going to be Thursday tomorrow. Today's Wednesday. But uh, mm-hmm. hopefully it doesn't stick around too long. We're, we're anxious to get back in the water and get more filming done and, and do some more product testing. Heck yeah, man. Well, sorry. We're sending it your way. That's for sure. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's snowing here, and it's going to stop, and it's probably going to start up right with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, man. Well, dude, first, first things first, I really just want to get into, um, your kind of background with everything. And let's start from a fishing standpoint. Where did, where did you grow up? What really got you into the sport of fishing? You know, I grew up, um, military brat. So my dad was an officer in the air force, born in Texas, moved to Illinois, moved to Georgia. Um, and got the love of fishing from my dad. Um, always grew up around boats. When I was a lot younger, my sister was active in water skiing and stuff. So we always had ski boats and um, took family vacations, Lake of the Ozarks, Clarks Hill, Truman Lake. I mean, went a whole bunch of places. And I was always eager to get back to the boat dock, drop my sister off and grab the fishing rods and go back out. So um, long story short, man, my dad retired when I was nine or 10 from the Air Force. And uh, we were in Georgia at the time. And he was interviewing for a job and we thought it was going to take us back to Texas, which I was super excited about, you know, yeah. it's all these old Bassmaster magazines I was reading about, you know, Texas. I'm like, hell yeah, let's go to Texas, you know, big fish, awesome fishing, grass fishing, you know, and lo and behold, he ended up getting a better job, but it was out of Wichita, Kansas. So middle, no middle of nowhere, <laughs> yeah. bass fishing. never even heard of bass fishing in this state, you know, sure. and uh, moved here and, 10, 11 years old, started fishing some of the lakes around here and stuff, uh, got a bass boat and got into tournament fishing at a young age, fished a lot of younger type club tournament stuff, um, you know, under 10 or excuse me, 10 years old, 15 years old, stuff like that. You know, I'm kind of jealous of these, these young kids now. They didn't have high school fishing back then. They didn't have mm-hmm. college fishing back then. I wish they did. It's, it's sure. awesome, you know, awesome opportunities. And, uh, you know, started doing fairly well in some small local tournaments back then. It was ABA, um, some of the federation tournaments, state team type stuff, and started fishing Central Pro-Am. That was a, a huge tournament trail in the Midwest here, mostly out of Missouri and Arkansas, but 
I mean, you talk about some sticks that are on the Elite Series or FLW Tour or Pro Circuit now, I guess it's yeah. called. And, yeah. You know, Mike McClellan fished them a lot back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. Denny Brower, Chad Brower used to fish them. Um, Brent Chapman, um, Guido Hibden, Dion Hibden. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, Guido Hibden took me pre-fishing before my first ever Central Pro-Am tournament and stuff. So, you know, although we're in Kansas, I mean, we're four hours from Truman, three and a half Lake of the Ozarks. Yeah, you're close. We're, mm-hmm. that's just what we're used to. You know, I, I'm kind of jealous of the guys at like Springfield, for example, you drive an hour and you're at all these, you know, lakes and famous lakes and stuff like that. But that's kind of really where I cut my teeth and met a lot of these guys, James Watson and stuff like that. You know, Jim Akins, you know, Jewel Bait Company founder, you know, yeah. there's a lot of people around there that we've really been in the industry a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Not only from the fisherman standpoint, but also just the business standpoint as well, too. And, you know, grew up fishing, um, was sponsored by Ranger and kind of went from there. In college, started fishing the Everstarts. Yeah. Some of the Opens and you know, I really wanted to kind of make a name for myself professional fishing back in the day. And man, I'll be honest with you. I just, I got burned out. I was trying yeah. to do too many tournaments, fresh out of college, newly married, bought a house, you know, trying to trace that dream. And man, I really, that, I think it was the second year of doing the opens and the ever starts in the same season. I had multiple back-to-back tournaments and just got really, really burned out. Um, I think and, that's fair. You yeah. Know. I mean, and it's, it. <sighs> It was one of those things that I realized like half, I had three tournaments literally back to back to back. And I went from like, I think Arkansas to Kentucky Lake, which that was back in the prime middle to early two thousands where, I mean, it was, it was was a lot. Yeah. 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 And then Amistad was taken off. So from Kentucky, I I literally came home, grabbed a whole bunch of different gear, spent the night and then turned and burned and drove 13 hours South to Amistad. But I remember like halfway through the Kentucky tournament, I was just like, dude, I don't want to do this, man. Like I'm mentally, physically exhausted from this. You've got, you know, I was young. I was 21, 22 at the time, had the financial pressure behind it. You know, I'm never home. You know, I think that year I was gone like 22 weeks out of the year just fishing. You know, so it was a lot even back then chasing because I had federation state tournaments on there. We had divisional tournaments mm-hmm. there. So it was a packed schedule, a lot like what an elite series angler was. And I was like, man, like I wasn't approaching it correctly. You know, my yeah. mindset was not right. I did not want to be there. Um, in that time period, I actually went to Ranger boats and got trained to do fiberglass repair okay. and started a fiberglass repair business also went to work full time for the boat dealership that my sponsorship through was with Ranger Boats and Yamaha at the time. Okay. So I I fished a lot, but my mind was on business and trying to grow a business. I was a single employee of the fiberglass repair shop at the time. Cool. Yeah. I was trying to be the 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 sales manager of boat sales at the time. And you know, back then I I told people I fished too much to be successful at business. And then I worked too much to be successful at the fishing side of it. Yep. Finally, man, just had to make a determination. You know what? I need to pick one or the other and really put all the eggs in the basket. And at that time, I didn't want to be on the road that much, man. The driving was getting to me um, Mm -hmm. and just being gone, staying in hotel rooms, staying in cabins with crappy beds and all that stuff. So I, you know, we're going to, do fiberglass repair and really started doing that. And 
five or six years after getting rock and rolling and fiberglass repair, we started adding kind of our own lineup of products and selling Lowrance products, selling uh, Humminbird and then adding Garmin. Um, you know, I, I just want to do fiberglass repair. Yeah. That's all I thought I needed to do. You know, did, you, did you enjoy the fiberglass stuff? Were you like hands on and, and really enjoyed that? Or was it kind Dude, of like, I loved it, man. sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's dirty work. It's, it's very tedious. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, well, that's rigging electronics. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of cold yeah. and hot showers. So you take cold water, you know, you take hot water to open your pores. You try to scrub all the fiberglass dust out and then you take cold showers <laughs> to close them, you know, so you don't go to bed itchy. Yep. Yep. No, dude, I really enjoyed it. I love taking something that maybe was really oxidized or really damaged and making it look like new and just seeing the customers light up and just saying, Holy cow. Like I never knew my boat could look that good. You know, stuff like that. I really, really enjoyed that. I, I didn't traditionally grow up wanting to work with my hands, but now having that appreciation for it, man, it's just, it's awesome. Um, absolutely love doing it. Um, we don't do it now anymore. Um, ironically enough, fiberglass. Yeah. We've gotten too busy doing other stuff that it just doesn't work from a time management standpoint. Sure. Um, and gosh, it's dirty. It gets the rigging shop insanely dirty. And I don't doubt that. And one thing I've always thought with fiberglass too, and this is more kind of from just, um, hearing about, uh, even medical insurance and car insurance. It's like, most of the time when there's a fiberglass repair, especially if it's on a nicer boat, you're probably going to have to deal with insurance companies Oh yeah, and a bunch of junk around that. And that just to me sounds like that's what most people like you hear uh, in a medical practice hate the most about their job is having to deal with that side of things. You know, I never really had an issue on the insurance side of it. There's not gotcha. many of us that were doing fiberglass repair and there's not really a lot now. Mm-hmm. The problem that it wasn't a problem back then as much as is now, but a long time ago there were like three repair shops around Wichita and the guys just didn't really want to work. They were a single shop guy. They kind of worked when they needed money. They really weren't reliable. So it was really easy for me to come in and to say, Hey, I work every day, Monday through Friday, often (laughs) more hours than that, you know, but I'm here at least Monday through Friday and I'm available. But it wasn't so much that it's just, we got busy really, really fast and it was Mm. troublesome trying to keep up with all the work. And so it's one of those situations where bass boats, it's, Hey, I damaged my boat, but I have a tournament next weekend. When can I get my boat back? Yeah. I know. So (laughs) it's like, well, the insurance job, 60 hours to repair. Well, that's a week and a half and I have other stuff going on so we can get to it in two weeks. And then we're two and a half weeks out from getting, if we don't have any product delays or find more damage. So that became troublesome with scheduling and conflicts of scheduling and stuff like that as sure. well. And well, then- and I think, I think too, just in the, in the, like a uh, bass fishing space, right. I mean, it's just a, uh, got to have it now, need this done now. And I just, I mean, it, it, it makes people really shine that go above and beyond. Right. Oh, of like, Hey, we're going to get your boat done. Now we're going to get your grass wired and rigged now because you have a tournament in two weeks and this is what we agreed to or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's just a, it kind of leaves that opportunity to folks sounds like yourself who are willing to go that extra mile and help that customer out because it's needed. And, uh, sometimes that's that fault to the bass fishermen being last minute, but that's kind of how the industry works. To some everybody, it's not just the bass guys. They're all that way. <laughs> Even the ski boat guys are that way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You know, it'd be May and trying to get boats ready. And they're like, man, and you know, Memorial weekend's coming up, you know, and I got, I got a bunch of people come out. It's like, where were you in November and December? What about this winter? 
Dude, it's a problem just with people. But dude, one thing I wanted to stop you before we go any further, because I got this question just burning as we're going through this or, or comments around kind of your beginning there when you were uh, trying to make it on the fishing side of things. Um, I've kind of experienced similarly some of that stuff recently fishing the Toyota series this last year. I think I was gone, not just with that, but with ABAs and Bass oh. Nation and that stuff nine weeks out of last year. And uh, I went independent contractor from my job to be able to to do more of that on farm and ranch real estate, more along the finance side, but being able to do it when I could rather than sure. full nine to five. And um, some of those pressures, man, that you're talking about, it's kind of interesting to look back and see different people's careers. And it's it's a um, it's a grind, first of all. And like you said, uh, I think the point, and I've had a conversation with some really really good anglers recently was at least how my life set up now that uh it, when you go to a place like you mentioned uh kentucky lake in its heyday amistad like two i mean dream places yeah oh yeah but Bucket. In, your, in your right but in your head you were you were stressed and had been driving all this stuff you it wasn't fun i don't know maybe it was for you no, but like it, some it, of those situations it's not fun it's like i should be having like the best time of my life right now you know what i mean it's hard for people to understand truly. And, and I don't want to downplay this at, at uh -huh. all. Um, it's even, even now, um, for example, we went to OHIV last week. That's why I couldn't do this interview with you last week, but it was, yeah. I left the shop at two, got down there at 10, had a flat tire, um, <laughs> called a friend it. who was down in there, fixed the flat tire at five 30 in the morning, yeah. went out with Josh Jones to do some filming. He had a flat Smart. tire. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. So that was kind of a debacle. And then on the way back, I had a complete blowout of a tire that I thought we fixed. So Wonderful. I'm on the side of the road for three hours, getting a tire brought in. I run a lifted truck with 35, so it's not an easy <laughs> tire to find. So I set the camera guy out with Josh. They uh -huh. got some filming done. The next day I went out filming and then we drove eight hours back that evening. And I got back at three o'clock in the morning. I'm at the shop at six 30 because this is our crazy busy time. Yep. You know, Looking back at it, it's like, yeah, we caught some awesome fish. We got some really good footage. It was a lot of fun, but it's high pace. I mean, it's it's a lot. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't want to downplay like, oh, this sucks. I have an amazing job. I have an amazing business. I work with really, really great people here. We have an amazing team. I, I couldn't do any of this without the people that we have at all, man. They've, they've been awesome. Uh, Engineer Eddie's with, been with us like eight or nine years now. So it's a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong, but it's still really high pace. It's still a lot. It isn't like you go fishing. This is awesome. It's a vacation. You're out, you know, having a good time with your buddies doing this. It's, it's like a production thing. Yep. And with tournament fishing, it's so mentally involved mm -hmm. that God, you can really spin yourself out quick. Listen to doc talk or, you know, you don't think you're on them very good and you find out you are cause you heard doc talk and stuff like that. So you know, there were times that, yeah, you know, looking back at like, I've been to Amistad five or six times. I've been to Falcon five or six times, been to Kentucky yeah. Lake a dozen times, you know, Grand Lake, Table Rock Lake. Those, I couldn't even count how many times I've been to those lakes. Yeah. But it was for work, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's a different approach when you're going there for work, when tournament fishing and you have all these um, outside pressures. Yep. Then when it is they're like, man, I'm going to take a vacation. I'm going to hire a guide. And just whatever happens, happens. Yep. You know, I was having the pressure of trying to get paychecks to make it back home back then. And I wasn't the only one. There were quite a few. Yeah. 
And, you know, some of the guys made it, you know, some of them really, really did. And some of them didn't. Um, I don't want to name anybody at all, but man, I think the general public would be really surprised how many people have broken families or gone through divorces or had really pretty bad relationships, whether it's family relationships or spouse relationship or with their children, because they're gone all the time. You know, it, it's a true family effort. And then you see some families that have really made it work. Um, 100%. Chapin. I mean, they made it work. Awesome. Um, Mason's trying to, to come through the ranks and fish professionally, Alton Jones and his son, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of families out there that have done an amazing job and made it really, really successful. And I don't want to downplay this. And some people may not like this, but it's the truth. There's a lot more that haven't though, that -hmm. have tried. And and that's a thing that's really difficult to see. And you'll see some of these guys make transitions. Um, you know, early on trying to make it professionally fishing, fishing classics and our sales reps mm-hmm. um, for boat companies um, and stuff like that. So there's a lot of opportunities that are in this industry that just aren't the fishing side, the tournament fishing side of sure. it that way. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've got some um, great influencers out there in, in the marketing right now. Um, oh, yeah. Friends of mine I've known a really, really long time. Ben Milliken, for example, is absolutely mm-hmm. killing it. Josh Jones, absolutely killing it. Um, yeah. Man, I remember thinking Ben Milliken and I literally quit our jobs within a month of each other. Um, no way. That's yeah, cool. it was it was kind of funny. So Ben kind of always qualified for the Federation and the TBF stuff out in Nebraska. Yep. And I always qualified out of Kansas. And we didn't know each other really well back then, but we always ended up like pre-fishing around each other and just kind of seeing each other and knowing that we ended up getting our phone numbers and stuff and kind of just talking about it. And I saw he put a post up on Facebook that he was quitting his job. And I was like, man, what the hell are you doing? So I called him. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh man, I'm going to try this YouTube thing. I'm like, man, well, that's stupid. But you know, good luck to you. <laughs> he's like, well, what are you doing? I heard you're quitting your job. I'm like, oh, I'm going to try to sell electronics to rig boats. And he was like, well, that's stupid, but good luck to you. you yeah. Know? And we both have been able to grow we these wild, successful businesses doing that. So it's kind of funny to see That's that. That's wicked, dude. Well, yeah. and, and that brings up a good point, too, that I was thinking about earlier when you were talking about uh, the pro-ams and all these people you met both on a business front and on the fishing standpoint. But uh, one thing I do really, really love about tournament fishing is that, that co-angler-boater relationship uh, sometimes. And then also the, just the, the Federation stuff and the team atmosphere, those kinds of situations. I mean, some of my best friends have come through fishing tournaments and it's the same, the same thing. I mean, um, and you and I were talking off air before this, but just from a business standpoint, there's, I mean, let's face it. Bass fishing is a very, very expensive thing. And there's a lot of anglers out there that have successful businesses that allow them to take the time off and go fish and not have those monetary pressures. But it's just really cool to me to see all these kind of relationships come through that stuff. And like a Ben Milliken situation, like, look at that. You guys both quit, went your ways in your own businesses. And that is incredible, man. That's, that's yeah. the American dream. No, a hundred percent, man. And it's really interesting to see. I think it would really be surprising to know if the public really knew the amount of people who own businesses mm-hmm. and or had family members that they're able to work for in the off seasons to really make it go round, you know, I, I've, as I said off the air, the fishing industry is really, really large. It's a billion dollar industry, but man, everybody knows everybody. I mean, there's from a business standpoint, I can think of like 150, 200 people sales rep wise, business owner wise, where everybody kind of knows everybody, you know, at ICAST and stuff like that when we have meetings and stuff. 
Sure. Um, but Ed, engineer Eddie said this best, and this is true. This is a scary truth. The bass fishing industry is based off of like 350 professional anglers. It's crazy. And that's what a lot of people are chasing. I mean, looking back at it, like I absolutely thought it was insane to see two units on the console. And mm. now that's a standard thing. I thought it was crazy to see two units on the bow. And now we're doing a lot three. of calls where there's three. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. it's really kind of crazy to see that stuff. And it's crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. And and I don't want to keep talking about like this down shadowing of the industry and it's all scary. It's all facade, yeah. Man. Yeah. It's not. But it's, it's not what everybody also thinks it is as well too. Like there's a lot of stresses being out on the road away from family and missing kids events, missing your spouse events, sometimes missing your own events and stuff like that, that you have these pressures of, you know, some of these guys have it awesome. They've got the financial means where they've got a driver driving their boats and they're flying in to, yep. to be able to maximize family time. I mean, if they can afford to do it, that's awesome. It's no different than a business owner doing that in their private business. You know, yep. they're maximizing their time with their family or where they want to spend it and flying to get it there. But most of these guys' schedules right now are absolutely insane. You've got trade shows going on. The Classic's coming up. Red Crest is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to get your old boat, you know, either sold or fishing out of it, trying to get the new boat done. Like, there's a lot of pressures all equally coming in that, take away from your mental capacity when it comes to, to catch and fish. hundred percent. Well, and I, I think that the thing that I heard, heard it best and you have to really like, like you said, you don't want to take away from anyone's dream, right? No, like, if it, if no, this no, no, is no. someone, but you need to be realistic, uh, of what you have to give up to get there. There are absolutely to, sacrifices in this. Um, yeah. and, and it's, it's tough. It, it's truly tough. I mean, Truth be told here, it, it led to a divorce with me personally, my first wife. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I was gone a lot. You know, 100%. luckily we were young. I did not have any children at that time. Yeah. So it was it was a pretty easy thing. But man, if I would have had children with with my first wife, it would have absolutely not only really put a stop or make me think differently about fishing in general, but also from the business side. I, I mm-hmm. wouldn't have taken the risk that I did at the time. Sure to get this business off the ground. I would have played it a lot more conservative and still had a nine to five job, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, and, and, uh, I think that the best thing I've ever heard was Brandon Polinick saying it, you have to be, and I heard this somewhere, but you, to be one of the greats, like in, in professional bass fishing, you have to be selfish and you have to be, um, and not in like a negative way, but like, you're going to miss birthday parties of loved ones. You're going to miss all this stuff. And, uh, I, I think it's just, I think it's a good point that people need to be realistic about it or, or like something that I've, uh, by having on like a John Hunter, um, yep. and things like that, guys like that, like the message is more along the lines of, look, you can do this, uh, and have a good life and, and ha- live in the house you want to live in, in his words, if you build a business or build something and it may not even have to be in the fishing industry, but you kind of see some of that side of it. So that's kind of more of what my mindset mindset has shifted to and not to take away from other people that want to go all in and are willing to put credit card debt and this and that. But just my mindset is that, Hey, look, there is, we're selling a dream in the bass fishing world and you just need to be aware and cognizant of the different ways to get there and decide with what works for you. Is yeah. And that was kind of my look back at it. I didn't necessarily want to say I want to give up on tournament fishing. It's I'm yeah. giving up on it right now. 
Mm -hmm. And from my perspective is I never wanted to be in a position where I was worried about having to make a paycheck to get home or that situation. It was, I want to come back to this from a business that is running. We've got the right people hired. I can be away both from a monetary standpoint, but I can be away from a stress standpoint and know that business is being handled how it needs to be handled. And I don't have to worry about. So when I am there to, to fish, I am present. And when I was younger, trying to get a business going, trying to fish professionally, I truly thought I could do it all. Really? Yeah. yeah. I thought, oh, I can do this. And when I'm back, I can do this. Well, when it was all on my shoulders, the phone's constantly ringing when I'm fishing. hundred percent. Things overlap. And I get back home and I'm working literally 90 to a hundred hours a week to make up for a week that I was gone. Yep. And then a week prior to that tournament, I was working 80, 90 hours a week. So, you know, when I was young and married, dude, I would, I would eat for a one week tournament. I'm literally gone three weeks because I'm a slave to having to be in the shop, doing all this fiberglass repair to get the boats done, rig my boat, make sure I've got the right tackle to head out of town, pack, go yep. out of town, pre-fish tournament, miss a lot of business, have a crappy tournament and be like, damn, if I stayed home, I could have made 10 grand in a week. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then that starts to play with your mind. <laughs> yeah. And then before you even go, like I said, that last year I was doing both circuits, man, before I'd even get out of town, like, man, I'm missing out on a lot of money. It's hurting myself financially. It's hurting my marriage. It's hurting my relationship. I'm, I wasn't even mentally, I wasn't there. Yeah. And that's when I was like, you know, I don't want to do this from a place of doing that. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's, I mean, it, what's, it's so like, uh, there's so many relations to my life right now because uh, I, I basically, by going independent contractor last year and fishing as much as I did, um, every time I stepped away, I'm leaving money on the table at home. Yeah. And that is, that is a, uh, it messes with your head, like you said. 100%. And, and every time you're on the water, if you don't have that clear focus, you're not all in, you know, you can't be half pregnant fishing tournaments. 100%. You got to yeah. be all the way in and, and same with on the business side. So it's, it's just, it's cool to hear that because my mindset going into this season, I, I will always be in some manner tournament fishing. And this year I'm going to fish again, the Toyota series, have a little bit less tournaments going on and spread myself out and I'm fishing. Look, I'm going to fish the Lake of the Ozarks tournament and I'm going to play almost like a Bradley Hallman last year in the opens. If, if I'm sitting good in the points, I'm going to fish the next one. Like I'm taking it tournament by tournament rather than going, okay, I'm fishing nine tournaments this year and here we go. And because it just, uh, man, things overlap and, and that is, uh, it's good to hear because that's definitely something I experienced. And maybe at that point where you do have the people in place to run a business to where you can take away, that's when it's time to do things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and our kids are older now. I've got a 14-year-old and a 6-year-old. So as they continue to get nice. older, it's it's easier to be away in that regard because they've got school going on now. Sometimes I do miss sports activities or special occasions through school and stuff like that. But, you know, my 14-year-old in four years, she's going to be out of high school going off to college. That'll free up some time. And my son loves to fish and loves being in the boat with me. So there'll be a lot of times later on he'll be coming with me on some events like I did with my dad when I was younger and stuff. That's so, so cool. Yeah. You know, being able to have that as they're older, we're more established as a business. We've got more employees. We've got great employees that, you know, really try to take care of the customer the way we want to take care of the customer. So it just helps, you know, it's, it's truly a community effort and you have to have that from a job perspective, a spouse perspective or children perspective. Cause like you were talking about with Brandon Polinick and that stuff, like it is, it's, it's a, 
you never want to ask your wife to give up her dreams and her ambitions to right. do this, you know, like Unless that's you, really selfish. That you know? is no yeah, doubt. 100%. So, yeah. you know, you need to make sure that everybody's okay with this. And it's not just a sacrifice of a individual person or the angler to go do this. It's, it's in that it's communal. It's, it's the village, it's the family, it's everybody, you know? hundred percent, man. Well, dude, this has been awesome. I didn't mean to necessarily go on that kind of mental side of fishing and, and the truth around kind of some pro fishing, but yeah, but um, here's, here's why I think that's important though. And I, I do want to make this, this a very important note. I think the same mindset that people have to have as business ownership or entrepreneurship, yep. you have to have for the, same the bass fishing side, because mm -hmm. as a professional bass fisherman, you are a business owner. You're selling yourself, 100%. you're selling your skills, you're selling your you know, your, your space on your boat wraps and truck wraps and stuff like that. You're, you're out moving, walking, talking billboard constantly. Yep. Yep. Dude, that's dead on. I think you're, uh, yeah, same, same mindset. It's really the same thing when it comes down to, it's why you see a lot of, uh, probably why we see a lot of entrepreneurs that, that are tournament anglers is yeah, it, it runs in the same kind of that bloodstream of, of what you want to do. Um, but man, before let, let's get into the story of Russell Marine products. Uh, I think that's what I'm most excited about where that all started because I, we kind of took a tangent there, but you were, you were doing fiberglass repairs yeah. and all, all on your own. Um, but where, where did things kind of morph into the electronic side or is that where it started or, or how did things no, start? It, it wasn't. So I'm trying to remember how old I was at the time. So my dad was an engineer, um, okay. retired from the air force and went to work at one of the aircraft companies in Wichita. That's what we have here. We have like five aircraft companies in Wichita. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Cool. And so we're kind of known as like the aircraft capital of the world right here, which we have a real crap airport. It's kind of weird. But... <laughs> that doesn't match up, but yeah, anyways, go on. At all. Um, but we had this idea. My dad and I had this idea. I think I was like 12 or 13, man, for this product mm -hmm. that we wanted to bring out to the market. And we went and saw a patent attorney and I was involved. Like it was awesome going through the process, man. Like it really was. That's really cool. Yeah. And that kind of sparked a lot of interest for me with business ownership. And uh, so dad and I started this business. We brought our product to the market, which was called a lower unit protector. It was called a LUP for short. And long story short, okay. it was a little strap. I still have one. I don't have one here, but I still have one. Yeah. But it's a strap that went around your lower unit yep. and your transom saver rested on it. So it wouldn't scratch your lower unit interesting okay so like, this is awesome like this yeah. is a million dollar idea like i'm gonna buy a freaking bass boat with this <laughs> yeah. and i did not realize my dad did not realize how many people did not give a crap if they scratched their lower unit <laughs> sand, sand draggers man they're sand yeah, absolutely yeah did not care at all and so product product failed miserably yeah, yeah. like this is gonna help me buy my new bass boat this is awesome this is Let's awesome go. did not yeah did not at all uh, so shelve that for a long, long time. And that was like the first Russell Marine products attempt with like bringing a product to the market, okay. going patent pending, finding a, and sourcing manufacturing and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's failed, failed at it pretty bad. Um, but that was cool. That was really cool to, I think it was like 12 or 13 at the time, mm -hmm. kind of going through that process. It was my dad's first time being a, you know, starting business and all that stuff. We had no idea where it was going and it went nowhere. Yeah. And, um, but lessons, then, there was lessons there. Right? Yeah. No, like, it definitely piqued my interest. And 
when I was younger, even at that age, like, oh, I thought I'd go into the military like my dad and, you know, go in as an officer and in 20 years retire and go do like the normal middle class thing. You know, you put your time in, maybe work for an aircraft company, you know, have a good job, get a couple weeks vacation and go fish, have a couple kids and life's good, you know. Yeah. And um, as I started getting into fishing more and more and fishing center prom, I really, really loved it, man. Um, fish co-angler a lot, learned a lot, got paired up with some awesome anglers. Yeah. Didn't always mean I was successful at it, but man, I learned a lot. Right. I learned a lot of the Ozark lakes, Grand Lake, Table Rock, Bull Shoals, Beaver, just had an absolute blast where a lot of these guys were younger that are now elite series anglers or FLW tour anglers or pro bass tour guys and stuff, Jeremy lawyer and stuff like that. So it was really, really cool. Yeah. And, uh, so I started trying to fish some of those events on the pro side, started fishing a lot of ABAs back in the day and really started getting interested in the Everstarts back then and started fishing. Some of them had some good success at a state and regional level, not so much at the national level. Yeah. And my Ranger boat rep at the time, he knew I, I, I bought a Ranger boat when I was like 18 or 19 mm-hmm. and it was Bob Parkey back in the day for all the Midwesterners that know. Um, but long story short, Bob Parkey's like, man, I need to get you in a new boat. Like, okay. I don't know how any of that crap worked back then. You know, I was 19 or 20 years old. And long story short, he made it happen with a local ranger dealer and, you know, had to go work boat shows, had to help tow boats, had to do this. And, yeah. you know, going through college, um, I kind of, I, I kind of upset some friends at the time, but I had a job interview, made it through two hiring rounds at a aircraft company here in Wichita. Okay. And at the time I worked part-time for a boat dealership. That was my ranger dealer. And I worked full-time third shift as a night stalker at a grocery store and yeah. I went to WSU full-time. So I wow. literally slept nothing, but yeah. I worked like 60 hours a week. I fished mm-hmm. every time I had the chance and I had an awesome blast doing it. Like looking back at it, like That's highlighted awesome. the best years ever, you know? Yeah. And, and so the, the ranger dealership at the time was like, well, Hey, what do you, what do you want to do after college? And I'm like, hell, I don't know. I want to fish. <laughs> you know, that's, that was my idea. And I said, you know, I, I've always thought about getting into fiberglass repair because I'll be honest, I had a very bad experience with a local guy here doing fiberglass repair. Yeah. And I kind of got into it with him. I was a young kid. I was a hothead. You know, I thought I knew everything. And he basically told me, he's like, well, too bad. Where are you going to go? Nobody else does this here, but me. Wow. Oh, okay. So that kind of lit a little fire under my ass. Yep. Yep. Back about some entrepreneurship type stuff from when I was younger. And I just happened to run into my rep at one of the central pro am tournaments, my ranger rep. Mm -hmm. I said, Bob, can I come down to the ranger factory and learn how to do fiberglass trays? Hell yeah, you can. Nice. How long you want to be down for us? I don't know. How long is it going to take me? He's like, well, let me get a hold of the service rep or the service shop down there at the time. Um, Mike Christenberry and, and Joey that, which sad to say Ranger no longer has that service shop going and stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. man, I went down there for like three or four weeks and spent a, stayed in a real crappy hotel in flipping Arkansas, you know, it was like $30 <laughs> a night, you know, I was eating <laughs> sausages and ramen every night. And, uh, yeah. But man, I, I learned a lot, learned a lot about boat building, learned a lot about the Ranger heritage. And I mean, these were guys that had 25, 30 years experience back there wow. you know? mm-hmm. and got done with that. And again, the Ranger boat dealership was like, man, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I was like, well, I got a job offer, made it through two hiring rounds and I'm supposed to start work at, at Spirit at the time okay. on Monday. And so the, the owner of the dealership is like, dude, you can come sell boats for me. 
you can do your fiberglass repair here and you can go fish whenever you have a tournament. I just need you selling boats here when you're in town. He's like, you're really knowledgeable about boats. Everybody knows you love boats. You know, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Like, well, I'm not going to make the money that I'm making working at aircraft. Sure. But I'm also not going to be sucked into the aircraft lifestyle and never get out of there. You know? Yep. Yep. So the night before Sunday night, I called who was supposed to be my boss, the guy who hired me. Yep. To start working at, at, uh, um, spirit aero systems. I think his name was Ron, Ronnie at the time. I was like, man, I, I'm sorry to tell you this. I know it sucks because I went through the two rounds to do this. And I got an official job offer and I know it accepted it. And there's supposed to be like 38 of us. Like we interviewed, like they interviewed 1200 people, like 38 of us made it through and got hired on. I'm like, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> there's going to be 37, my guy. <laughs> yeah. And I had like five months of college left at the time. Oh man. So I was like, I'm going to continue on with college. I'm not going to be there. And I mean, he was pissed. And and yeah. I understand at the time, like sure. he was a corporate guy and he's like, you know, a lot of people are going to be upset with you for throwing the best opportunity you're going to have away, you know, and this, and I ended up losing a couple friends over it that I was working with at Dylan's because they were upset that they applied the same time I did, did not get through the hiring rounds. And here I got the position that they dreamed of yeah. and I shot it down and mm -hmm. I don't want to say I regretted it for a long time, but trying to fish, trying to get a business going, I was not making much money, man. Yeah. Um, and here they are working all this overtime. They've got new trucks. They've got this house. I'm living in this crab house. I got a cool truck and a cool boat, but that's all I got, man. Yeah. Yep. I owe the bank that, you know, the bank really owns it, you know? Yep. yep. And, and that really sucked for a long time. And finally, a decade later of like pounding my head against the wall and stuff like that. And next thing I know, you know, I was able to get through that. And now I'm completely glad that I, I went the entrepreneurship route and stuff to get to that point to do that. And so that was real early on through the college years. And yeah. when I, when I quit doing the real serious tournament fishing, I just went to work, man, and yeah. started making more money, started doing more fiberglass repair. I worked all the time, fish still some federation state level type stuff, went mm -hmm. back to fishing some ABA type stuff locally and stuff. I always was still doing some sort of tournament fishing, sure. just yeah. at a much, much smaller level, yeah. you know? And so we kept on trucking with that, kept on going with that and kind of made the state teams a bunch of times, ended up in a lot of divisionals, started fishing some other stuff as co-angler stuff, which yeah. I didn't really want to do, mm -hmm. but I was kind of gaining some traction fishing co-angler stuff again. Like, man, I can still catch them. You know, I, I still enjoy it. I still have fun doing it. I know I still have the mechanics there and yeah. we were in a lock. I think it was on Tom Bigby waterway. Where's that? Uh, Mississippi, if I remember yeah. correctly, uh, around Columbus, Mississippi, not a fun place to fish, man. Like, <laughs> small fish, not fun. Really, really but tough. Whenever you say locks in middle of the country, I think of like places that are tough and river systems and just nasty. Yeah, a lot of little backwaters, not very big fish, like eight or 10 pounds was killing it back then, man. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, one of the guys that was tied up in a boat next to me was just kind of complaining about these Lorances and he didn't like this, didn't like that. These suck this, that. And I was like, okay, well, what, what units do you have? And at the time they were like, gen two non-touches or whatever I'm like what well, do you have the right to transducer selected he's like i don't even know what you're talking about 
I was like, okay. So I jumped over, select the transducers, got them going. Oh, well, you're actually sourcing through your trolling motor, not through the unit on the console. So I got his sourcing figured out. So we're sourcing through the correct transducers. Yep. And he's like, oh shit, dude. He's like, I've never had this good of clarity on my 2D sonar or side imaging at all. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. And then a guy two boats over is like, hey, I don't like my Lorances either. <laughs> yeah. Well, next thing I know, I'm like eight boats down. No way. And the lock's starting to open. I'm like, God, I need to get back in the boat. Back my boat. <laughs> yeah, like I'm the one tied up. My co-angler's over there with the paddle, you know, holding us off the concrete wall as the lake level's dropping or the the, the lock level's dropping. Yeah. You know, and, and some guys like, Yeah, I knew you were always good with that stuff. I remember you from the 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 tour days and stuff when you were trying to hack it out there. You always had a knack for electronics. Like, well, thanks. And then when we were idling out, some guys like, Why don't you sell this shit? Do you sell this? I was like, nah. He's like, Well, you should. And that kind of always stuck with me. Yeah. And then as I kept doing that, working for this boat dealership, we started to get more phone calls of, I need to talk to the Lawrence guy. And it was somebody talked to somebody in the lock or so-and-so's friend from Kentucky heard about me. And it's, I have this, what do I need? I don't know anything. None of our local dealers have a clue. And I, and I hate to say the term lucky, but I didn't really see the opportunity early on, but it was kind of one of the things for me, it was really, really easy. Yeah. And I was younger at the time. I was like 24, 25 now. It came super natural to me. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. These guys that were in their 40s and 50s, dude, they came from like x85 world. They didn't have a clue <laughs> what was going on. You know, yeah. they didn't understand settings. They didn't understand contrast and how to adjust sensitivity and what a thermocline is or all this. They'd heard about it. Sure. But they didn't know. They didn't yeah. know how to look on site imaging. But we started fielding a lot more phone calls for this. And finally, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start selling some Lorance stuff. I approached the dealership that I worked for at the time and said, hey, I want to start a business with basically selling electronics under my name of fiberglass repair, which was Russell Marine Products at the time. Do you have an issue with this? He's like, no, I don't care to try to sell graphs and make 50 or 100 bucks. Knock your heart out. Just don't let it affect the nine to five here. Yeah. No problem. So kind of started doing that. I mean, it's kind of the dream that a lot of businesses started out. It was always a side hustle thing. You know? Dude, yeah, that's that's something that I was going to make a comment on is is all this stuff was a, is a side hustle, right? Like yeah. everything you've had so far, the fiberglass, but you had your, your stable nine to five income, but they also all bounce off each other. I mean, we're talking about something that is connecting the dots. When you go to an event as a co-angler, you are talking about things. You're, it, so there's that connection. And then you're connecting the fiberglass from customers that you have that you're selling boats to and then yeah. now it's electronics so it's it's cool how it's all evolving to me no 100 percent. and so we started growing that and it's really took off and it kind of started it was never brought to my attention but i knew it was starting i was getting so busy and so many phone calls like i couldn't call everybody back in the evenings and afternoons so i'm trying to call people on my lunch break i'm trying to call people in the morning <laughs> before 9 a.m you know like i'd call everybody on the east coast at 7 a.m. our time because it's 8 o'clock their time. Yeah. And then I'd call everybody on the West Coast the latest. It'd be 10 o'clock my time, but it's 8 o'clock their time. You know? So mm-hmm. then in between lunches, I'm trying to run and ship out product. I'm building these relationships with Lawrence at the time and a lot of different suppliers and vendors who carry products and stuff. So we're doing all these things. And it finally got busy enough that I approached the dealership and said, hey, I'm going to make a run at this, you know, any way that I can. They're like, no problem, you know, appreciate it. And, and, you know, best of luck to you. Yeah. And 
you know, I, truth be told, I don't think they thought we would succeed at it. Honestly, I kind of thought that uh, I'd fail and, and kind of come back, ask for my job back. But sure. uh, long story short, man, we've made a hell of a business out of it and started growing that. You know, we were at a very, very small shop that was literally a double garage door, like 800 square feet warehouse and a little bitty office where my wife and I started working at. And as we got busier, started growing, hiring more people. I was still doing fiberglass repair at the time. And like a year and a half later, we bought a 7,000 square foot facility to expand into. And there was my wife, myself, and then a employee. And it was like, damn, this is a huge facility for three people. Like, <laughs> I don't know what we're thinking. I think we got in over our heads. I'm scared shitless. And we kept growing that. And now we've expanded. So we're up to 15,000 square feet. Wow. Uh, expanded into boat sales, um, outboard sales, service, installations, um, tech support. I mean, everything, you know? So, yeah. No, man. Well, that's, uh, thanks for the rundown, all of that. That's just, this is what I, I love about this podcast is hearing stories like that and, and how it all kind of came together. Um, now, like you said, you guys are in, in so many different things. And really, I think where I found Russell Marine products was probably, installing uh the first original live scope on my old legend and and you guys have always had a fantastic youtube presence honest reviews of saying hey look let's compare this product to this product and i just can't imagine um not everybody likes that honesty to be honest with you really like you're saying people uh, on the uh manufacturing side coming to you and and being upset about it both really yeah, yeah and then also and, and a lot of pro staff guys are guys that mm. just are super brand loyal they don't they don't like that that's interesting to me that bothers me a little bit about the fishing industry but yeah like that because because i well, want to know really embrace it um yeah. lawrence was probably the best at it lawrence was hey i don't really like you say some of our products suck <laughs> but i agree with you yeah you know? well and it was like help us make it better. So it was like, Oh mm. wow. Like I'm 27, 28 at the time. I'm like, you want to know what I think about it? And they're like, Oh yeah. Like we want to see you down at our headquarters in Tulsa in two weeks. No way. See what we can work through. And it's like, okay. Dude, so that's engineer awesome. Eddie and I go down, we're signing NDAs and they're showing us the lab and we're like, this is awesome. This is like the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Like trolling motors and parts, graphs and pieces. You know, they got four boats to go test product on with 12 transducers on them. Like, Yay. this is like, I remember looking at Eddie, like, this is how we hit it, you know? So <laughs> this is when we know, no, but man, I mean, that has got to be a huge part. I mean, talk a little bit about, I guess, your experience with YouTube and how that's brought you guys customers and loyalty. Oh, and where's yeah. that kind of all been? So honestly, YouTube for us, especially early on, was, um, I hate to say this, I don't want to negate this, but I want to be brutally honest with this. Yeah. Um, I was really getting annoyed and irritated how many phone calls I was getting of, hey, I know you're the Lowrance guy. What does this transducer do? And what does that transducer do? And I'd explain like, okay, great. Thanks. Bye. And you're like, and I'm like, uh, I'm spending six hours a day on the phone and getting literally no sales from it. I was going to say, because that's, and that's a real thing that I feel like, uh, in this space with so many questions around electronics, you got to be cognizant of that because oh, yeah. so, so many people are just like, oh, well, I'll just pick up the phone and call that person. It's like, I have to sell these to make money. I don't make well, money. By just back talking. in the day, that was my cell phone. 
So, dude, I get phone calls all the time, and, and I understand why. They didn't know the, – the customer standpoint, they didn't understand it was a cell phone. Yeah. So they're going to call whatever time and just leave a voicemail in hopes that somebody would do that. So I remember, like, my, my current wife, she's yeah. like, you better turn that damn phone off or turn it on Do Not Disturb because I'm not going to get woken up at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock or 1 a.m. in the morning. Yep. Somebody texting you or calling you to leave a voicemail to have you call them back the next day. Like, okay. Yeah. And, and so early on, a lot of those early on YouTube videos are differences in transducers. What does this unit do versus that unit? And, you know, product lines have streamlined a lot since then. So we sure. don't have as much confusion on that, but one of the eye-opening experiences for me is I had a guy and this is kind of in that thing of, Hey, I saw your video on transducers. You were brutally honest. I appreciate that. You saved me money on this, but now I want to buy this and I'm buying it from you. That's awesome. Like, Oh, okay. And from there it was the understanding of, well, we need to do more explanations to avoid clogging up our phone line or my time, my cell phone with a lot of the same repeated stuff. So it was, how can we efficiently do this without upsetting customers Mm -hmm. or wasting a lot of time. And I shouldn't say wasting, but taking the time to answer literally like I would get early on when total scan transducer first came out, Lorenz, I would field 50 to 60 phone calls a day of what's the difference in a total scan versus an LSS two. Wow. So that was a really early on easy way for us just to put information out there. I did not look at it as a revenue driver from Mm -hmm. selling product. And I did not look at it as a revenue stream from YouTube from being monetized. I looked at it purely as a way we could provide a lot of answers that were correct answers to customers when they have confusing questions, you know, Mm -hmm. without having to do that. And we immediately saw the phone call volume go way down on a lot of tech support stuff and immediately sales started coming from that. So that was pretty early on for us to realize, Hey, we got to do a lot of marketing on that. And I was really early on in a lot of Facebook groups or websites answering a lot of questions, man. I can't, I can't stress enough how little my wife and I slept in the early on days, just not even trying to sell people on product, just answering the questions that they had in hopes that they would remember us two, three, four years down the line when they were ready to upgrade new products that they would come back to us, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, um, that's uh, actually, this was in like kind of an entrepreneurial meetup group here in uh, my local town, Windsor, Colorado. I, I went to go check it out. And that was a, a comment that was made. And I think rings true today is uh, being there to serve first. Yeah, 100%. Right. 100%. And that's what you're doing by getting in those, in those Facebook groups and commenting and being helpful. And that is um, eventually going to pay dividends. Right. And, and oh, it has, it absolutely know? has. I tell every new sales hire and every customer um, service rep or shipper, like what you have to understand, there's past, current and future customer is the way I view everything, you okay. know, and you in the crazy busy times, it can get a little chaotic and can get a little frustrating when you answer a bunch of questions and knowing somebody's going to go somewhere else to save 50 bucks because they found somebody who's willing to violate the MRP pricing policy, which now everybody has to make somebody a deal. But I understand people want a deal. I do get that aspect of yep. it. Yep. So now it's like just you and I talking, I am terrified every day that Russell Marine products does not provide enough value in what we do to really? justify 
what we sell. And so I want to be the best at rigging. I want to be the best at knowledge base with our salespeople. You know, we have product experts in Garmin, product experts in Hummingbird, product experts in Lowrance that answer the phones every single day. And we've gotten that. And I'm not trying to sound real cocky or arrogant with this, but we've had multiple customers that say, well, I try contacting Hummingbird customer service and they said to call you. I tried contacting Lowrance and they said to call you. Garmin uses a lot of our videos for training purposes for their new customer service hires on product and product information. So that was a huge pat on the back for us that we knew we were doing it right when, you know, these $500 million a year corporations are looking at us with what we're doing. And I'm like, why why are you looking at us, you know, and stuff like that. So I I truly am terrified, though. I want to make sure we can provide as much value with somebody when they purchase from us as we can mm-hmm. still understanding that these things are very complicated still understanding that you know this, this to a lot of people it's rocket science right like yeah. it can get complicated really quick so there's a lot right. of tricks that we have to help people out there's a lot of tricks up our sleeve that we're going to be unveiling in the next 12 months to really help people with electronics with rigging with setups with settings and stuff like that you know it's 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 second nature to me at least maybe to you as well too because you're like me, all in yeah somebody else it's not yeah you know? so as we see these college anglers coming up man they're good with live scope they're good with active target they're good with mega 360 they're good with cyber imaging like they grew up in that technology base where the guys that are five years older than me or a decade older than me did not they grew up the old school way you fish in there and you try to catch a fish whereas now if you look in there with live scope and you don't see fish you keep oh, on talking, man yep. you go don't yep. even waste your time you 100%. know so i always we've had exponential growth like a lot of people have had out there due to covid and stuff like that and a huge influx of people coming into the marine industry and fishing industry mm-hmm. but i always want to make sure that we're constantly taking care of the customer as best as we can we're constantly trying to add more and better value as best as we can as well going forward. And that's the difference that I think helps set us apart with what we do. And I cannot begin to, to, to fathom to people how much money we spend on customer interviews, um, data points with customers, the customer experience. We're getting to unveil a new website. It costs us 120 grand to develop a new website yeah. just to have a better buying experience for the consumer. You know, but that is that is hugely, hugely important to us to be able to have that, to offer that, to keep I'm not going to say keep raising the bar, but to keep pushing our own limits. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To keep making sure we're doing the best that we can and doing better with what we can. Wow. Yeah, dude. that's um, I just think some some really good points for folks in the in this business space and, and anyone interested in starting a business has been awesome, awesome advice through all this and uh, just speaks to to what you're trying to do with Russell Marine products. Um, one other question I did have or wanted to bring up anyway is like, for instance, I have a Russell Marines products um, light pole on my power pole, yeah. right? Like some yeah. of your branded products that kind of came. That's where I thought when you first started talking about your dad and these, and these different product ideas, it seems like you've kept that part dream alive of building these kind of real niche uh, products in the industry where where is that gone? And um, it seems like you're always coming up with stuff, man. Every time I go to the website, I find something else that's that's oh, yeah. a little thing. You know what I mean? We've slowed up on what we've been able to bring to market. One is that supply chain issues. 100%. Sure. Shipping's been a, a catastrophe right now through a lot of stuff. 
Um, but a lot of it is engineer Eddie has been so focused on this new website build. We've lit, like, we started a new website last February and roll out on it. We were hoping this next week, but roll out on it got pushed back to May. And so basically we've been so focused on that. Eddie and I have literally notebooks and notebooks about ideas. And what we try to come up with is what's going to be most impactful in the industry what's going to be the most cost effective to bring to market and what's going to provide the best margin, not only for us now, but dealers, vendors, other people that carry our products as well too. That's, that's easy for them. So we've had a lot of learning to do from kind of transitioning from a business to consumer um, stuff with product development, with also to business to business as well, Mm. as well too. So this is a whole nother division within this that we're trying to fuel and grow and kind of figure out and morph. So there's a lot of ideas still to bring to market. There's a lot of things, but it's how are we navigating this? And right now all our focus has been on the website. Um, we're getting ready to start an OEM division. We've been working with blazer boats on a lot of products. We've been working with Skeeter boats, yeah. um, Skeeter boats asks us and we have conference calls with about uh, boat rigging products for boats. Mm-hmm. You know, we try to be, on the forefront of what customers want, you know, but again, for me, it comes back to that value. I mean, we're a Skeeter boat dealership. Sure. But hell, there's a hundred across the country and there's really good. There's really good electronics dealers out all across the country. There's good Skeeter boat dealers across the country. There's good services. What's going to make us different and say what, why somebody wants to, to drive from Florida to come buy one from us or let us do their installation. I mean, I'm always blown away every every year on the amount of boats we rig and do installs on and where these guys come from. I and mean, we've had them from California, Florida, New York. And I know they pass good quality shops that can do the job. You yeah. know, but they choose to come with us. And we're grateful for that. We're very thankful for that, you know. But it's yeah. it's a it's a very strong humbling experience for us to know that they are willing to make that drive to come see us, you know. Yeah. A hundred percent. No, and, and um, <clears throat> that's really cool for someone who doesn't uh, fully understand, I guess. So when you say you're talking to Blazer and Skeeter, and again, like you said, now becoming a, a boat dealer, which is just incredible to me. That's really, really cool. That's a part that I've got a lot of passion is the boats uh, in yeah. this industry. But with OEM parts, what do you mean by that when you're talking uh, pre or I guess with those with those boats specifically? You know, it's anything and everything. Um, dash mounts for electronics, how the electronics are ran, the wiring, how the wiring's ran for dedicated units, um, organization of battery compartments, um, toolkit organizers, rulers, transom savers. I mean, literally boat setups, layouts, stuff like that. The possibilities are really, really endless with it. Wow. Wow. That's and what I really like about your business model with all this stuff, start with the electronics. We have these branded products, and now you're saying going not just business to consumer, but business to business, selling to other dealers. Uh, all of this stuff to me also mitigates a lot of risk, right? As far as if something takes off or something doesn't, you're doing you're going so many different avenues that you kind of have that stability of income through different places. A hundred percent, yes, but. To me, like my ultimate dream is I want every bass boat out there to have some sort of product that's like an RMP product on it at some point, you know, whether that's, awesome. that's a power pole anchor light, a talent anchor light, you know, and I want to back up here. So engineer Eddie is, is kind of a, a pillar in the business, if you will, um, yep. been with us a long, long time. He had a full-time dedicated job as an engineer. 
And yeah. um, I used to sponsor the WSU fishing team when they had a, a fishing team back in the day. I believe they still do. I apologize guys if you do. And I'm <laughs> a part of that, but uh, you know, I, I was kind of there to like help them get started because they literally, and, and it was a very upsetting to me, but they had no school support whatsoever. And these were kids that were in college that had boats. They were spending their own money to go fish and literally the school turned their back on them. So I wanted to help them out, try to mentor them, educate them on tournaments, how they worked, how this works with college fishing and stuff. And honestly, some of it was pure jealousy because I didn't have that ability to do that (laughs) in college. I thought it was awesome. We did. And one of the guys in there was Eddie and, and we call him engineer Eddie here. And he, I didn't know what he did at the time. He just came in and man, he was slicked up. He had his hair slicked back. He had his glasses on, had really nice clothes on. I'm like, man, fancy pants. What do you, what do you got all these high class clothes on? And he's like, he's like, oh, I just left my internship and I came to this meeting. I'm like, internship, huh? Like, what do you do? He's like, oh, I'm an engineering intern. He's like, I can build anything. I'm like, okay. Well, I was like, I got a, I got a task for you next week. He's like, okay. And I brought him a Talon anchor cap at the time they were removable yep i had an anchor light and i said okay make this fit on this and look really good he's like okay and the next week he's like hey here's your product and it was a 3d print i didn't even know what a 3d print was at the time yeah he's like this is a 3d print of this i was like well does it work he's like yeah it works he's like you got a boat to put it on i was like yeah so it's like 9 30 at night we leave come back go put on a boat the damn thing works i'm like holy shit yeah. Like I've got some sources overseas to try to get some stuff built. And that was kind of like product number one that we got. And then we started a PowerPoint anchor light and completely engineered it on our own, you know, no cap to be able to make anything sure. up and, and kind of got that. And that, that really put us on the map because we had been to ICAST, um, not, I've never, I've never set up a booth at ICAST, but we go every year. Um, mm-hmm. I've been to ICAST and I was just kind of talking to some people, saw some friends in the industry there, um, showed that product to a couple people we could trust that really wouldn't talk a lot about it. And they're all like, holy shit. Like yeah. everybody's talking about putting an anchor light on a power pole, but nobody's really figured it out yet. Everybody's talked about a talent anchor light, but nobody's really figured it out yet. Or they just kind of engineered some stuff and like duct take some stuff together, you yeah. know, to make it work, but nothing like sell this bolt it on, connect your wires, turn a light switch and go. Yeah. So that was like our first, that was not our first product to bring to market, but that was the one that really put us on the map. Gotcha. And then I went up to all my pro friends. I was like, tell all your pro friends, if you fish the elite series or FLW tour, I will send you one for free. There you go. Good call there. So, like <laughs> that first year, the Bassmaster Classic, like my dad was all excited. Like he sent me texts. He's like, I counted 27 of the guys running around <laughs> the lake, you know, running down the lake and stuff like that. So that's awesome. You know, that, that was that put us on the forefront with some first name people that I did not have access to previously, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. and as we've started bringing other products to market and, and kind of expanding that product line, we've helped supply them with even more products and stuff like that. So very cool. Yeah. Very cool, man. Well, I want to be cognizant of your time. Um, we've been going here for a little over an hour. One well, I last- talk about this for four more hours, man. This Dude, is what I love to do. This is my life. I'm with you. <laughs> um, with, with the, uh, one, one other question I did have just going through the website, the saltwater, man, what's the story with the, the saltwater movement? So we know that there's, there's a bigger market out there. So sure. when we really look at stuff, 
and, and we have a great working relationship with all three brands. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. When we really started talking to Garmin, Garmin said, you know, a decade ago, we poured everything into saltwater. I was like, really? No, I'm freshwater guy. I was a little offended by that. I was like, why saltwater? He's like, do you realize how big saltwater is compared to freshwater? I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. He's like, all the brackish water guys, all the Baybo guys stuff, all the offshore stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's such a bigger market. We wanted to dominate that market and then turn and come freshwater. And they did that. He said it took them seven years to gain what they thought was like a 50-50 market share in their blue water is what they call it, their saltwater markup yeah. or mar- market. And they did that. And then they came freshwater. And that's when we saw these new units getting unveiled, live scope going freshwater and stuff like that. And so we're easing into that market, but that's completely different from what we deal with on the freshwater stuff. And what I mean by that is it's sold a lot differently. Um, Most of your saltwater guys stay local and they do not do a lot of internet sales stuff because they're buying and having it installed, but they're talking autopilots, radar systems, uh, MARPAW systems. So they're talking a lot of complicated stuff, weather systems, you know, you know, Garmin has literally like 200 different transducer models for offshore stuff, man. So I see it, that on the website. It's crazy. Oh yeah, It gets real confusing real quick. Yeah. So that's something that we're looking to add more fuel to the fire. Once we kind of perfect our new website, mm-hmm. once we have a new website roll out and we make sure that runs smoothly, then we're going to start more focusing on some stuff for salt water. But man, that freshwater bass fishing, cat fishing, walleye, crappie that's that's our bread and butter man that's sure. that's what i enjoy doing so that's what i love hearing stories and talking to customers about because it's relatable to me because that's what i really like doing sure sure yeah well i mean and that's just it's interesting to me too because talking to different folks on this and maybe it was more of a tackle industry related and again this is there's no fact checking here on my part but just folks have have come on and talked about how big the freshwater bass fishing market is compared to the fishing market being that bass are kind of found everywhere yeah. and that there's, and, and maybe I, that's probably more related to uh tackle, right? Like, I mean, cause you could go buy, buy tackle and go to your local pond. And so there's millions of people or tons and tons of people that do that. Right. And so oh, maybe yeah. that's where merit was, where I was talking to you, but that kind of blew my mind because in my head, like you said, saltwater, I've always thought as, okay, saltwater is this, massive market and then there's kind of bass fishing market but that's kind of was uh, a wake-up to me and it was interesting but i think that was more bait related do you sure. agree with that or you know there's definitely both are huge markets don't get me wrong and that's yeah. what's so funny about this i mean i say that there's guys that are competitive ours but i know a lot of the guys that own businesses that sell electronics and rig boats i mean we bought product from them they bought product from us when you know we help each other out i mean there's mm-hmm. the funny thing about it is people are like oh Oh, you know, what do you think of so-and-so or what do they think of you? And I'm like, yeah, he's a great guy or it's a great family. Owned That's business. what he's doing. Yeah. Know him. You know, they yeah. do a great job and they're like, oh, you don't hate him? Like, Why? There's <laughs> enough business to go around. You know what I mean? Like, that's the funny thing. About, again, like you're talking a multi-billion dollar industry, but again, everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, like we know the pros to avoid doing deals with because they've notoriously, you know, burned sponsors or stuff like that. And consequently, we also know some companies to avoid because they burned a lot of pros in the past. Yep. You know, so there's a lot Open of stuff bridges. out there. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's, and it's, it's, in, it's interesting to see how that industry goes. And right now, we really kind of have this internal fight. 
And it's in the marine industry as a whole, not just fishing. So I want to clarify this, but yeah. we have this very old school mentality of these generation of sales reps that have been in the industry 40 or 50 years, they're older generation. Mm -hmm. And they say, we need boat shows. We need iCast. We yep. need this. Classic we, need expo. this. Yep. Yep. we need all this information. And there's this younger generation like me. We don't need that. Mm -hmm. And and what I mean by that is I can take half the budget that I would spend on a boat show and do digital advertising and have three times the amount of impact that I can I can prove we have the impact from impressions, yep. conversions, everything else, and not have to pack up my facility and move to a temporary facility and operate there for a week at a time. And then I've got problems at home by not say. being at yeah. my facility, yep. you know? And so there's this kind of internal battle, but we see a lot of companies avoid going to those now. So boat shows are, are boat shows in a whole, especially after COVID they're exploding. Lots of people are going, boats are selling and all that stuff, but yep. there was a downcline and people coming to boat shows. And because of that, this bad cycle of boat dealers not coming to boat shows and then people not coming because the boat dealers don't show up. Sure. I the same way. Um, we were excited to go to ICAST last year. Because Eddie and I were like, oh, crap, it's in the big main building. But it was literally a third the size than what it was when we went seven mm. or eight years ago. Mm. We went our very first time. And, you know, Megabass, it was a big deal. And they didn't show up to ICAST a couple years ago. And all these other companies are now opting not to go. It's really, really expensive to go. Yeah. And to be there, it's nice to have everyone all aggregated in one place. Mm-hmm. But it's not a selling show because it's not open to the public. You have to be in the industry in some sort of capacity to be able to walk through and be there. Yeah. And it's a time suck. It's a travel suck. It's a money suck to develop all this, to be there, to have this outlandish booth, to do all this stuff. And most of your people now are doing live leaks anyway to create their own buzz on social media versus having it at ICAST. You don't. Yeah. You don't have to go to ICAST or more importantly, you don't need to go to lo your local boat dealership show or a boat show to learn information on new product anymore. It's out there and you have the ability to do that on the internet, whether it's YouTube manufacturers or even boat dealerships providing the information out there anymore. You don't need to go to a boat show to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, our, our, the customer experience and buying experience has changed. Yep. Yep. Hundred percent, and that's—I mean—that's just like you said it, uh, across all industries, not just the fishing industries. Yeah. But you can you can do a lot uh, on your cell phone and on the internet. It's not necessarily that that need, man. All right, one one last one for you here. Yeah. The, the used electronics market, man. You, I love how you guys have the used inventory, and I'll see yeah. it pop up on Facebook pages. I'll see it kind of all over. Um, talk a little bit about that and and your ideas there. Um, where did that kind of all start? So we've always taken trade-ins. I mean, very early on, um, just I kind of had a gauge on what the used market was going for. Stuff was kind of underpriced. I would buy it and resell it and try to make money on the difference. That, that side hustle thing, man. Yeah, there you go. I, I was doing that a long time ago. And and when I worked for the boat dealership, man, I was always doing something on the side. Buying trucks, fixing them up, flipping them, make money. Buying and selling a bunch of four-wheelers, motorcycles, dirt bikes, like Dude, I was in boats all over the place. And I was like, oh, I can make $1,000 a month here. I can make $1,000 a month over here. And finally, I was like, 
I can make a little bit of money doing a bunch of different stuff, but I need to focus on one thing. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was like, all right, it's going to be fiberglass repair, marine electronics. And I had a local guy that was like, hey, I have a guy in my club that wants to buy this stuff. Man, I'm just really nervous. You know, he's a younger guy. He doesn't have much money. And I have a real world concern that a year or two down the road, this stops working because I was fairly common back then when graphs got to be five or six years old. They just kind of crapped out. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, I don't know what to do with this because I really don't want to sell it to him. And then I don't want to have the guilt of I know he can't afford another one because, you know, he was really stretched to buy this one. So what do I do? I'm like, well, hell, I'll give it to you on trade, you know, trade it into me and I can sell you the new stuff and I'll worry about selling that. He's like, Oh, that's awesome. That's great. You're really fair about it and all that stuff. Yeah. So people knew we kind of did it, but we didn't really advertise it. And once we moved into our facility here about three and a half years ago now, um, when we had a couple of sales guys that started for us, we're like, Hey, let's generate some sales. Let's see, you know, how many phone calls and emails we get. If we just advertise out that we take trading units. Yeah. So we put out there like we take trading units and it was like, oh shit, like 100 <laughs> emails in like four hours. And it's like, well, what do we give on this? It's like, crap, I have nothing. So it was like immediately like the standardized thing, like what we're giving people for trading stuff. So yeah. that way we started firing emails off and all this stuff. And next thing I know, like all these units start showing up like four or five days later. And we're like, oh, this is awesome. And then we're like, wait a sec. Shit. Where are these coming from? What are they trying to buy? Did they already buy the new units? Do we need to credit them? Are they sending them here now? Like what's going on? So it forced (laughs) us to do a lot of system and procedures. Sure. Real quick, real, real quick (laughs) and and stuff. But no, we're, we get so many people are like, Hey, I'm thinking about switching brands. You know, can I leave my ethernet cables? Can I leave my NEMA system in the boat? Same thing. Like it, your guys are fair on your trade-in pricing. I want to just be done with this. I'm worried if I sell it to somebody, if it craps out, they're going to be pissed. You know what do I do? So, you know, there's very specific units that we take in on trade. Every unit is tested. We have a full test that we go through on every unit that comes in. And I mean, we don't take crap. I mean, if it looks like hell, we sorry can't take it. We're sending it back to you. No big deal. Appreciate it. You know, but a lot of people really like using it. I'm surprised how many people truly do use it. You know, it's, it's a, a lot of people say, Hey, it helps, you know, supplement the cost of a new installation and stuff like that, you know? For sure. So very cool. Very cool. I think it's a cool concept because I'm, I've always been someone who uh, is always wanted the latest and greatest in electronics. And yeah. I'm always like, uh, what do I do with all this other stuff? I need yeah. to sell this transducer and this and this. And, and, and let's face it. It's, it's a pain in the ass of trying to take a payment from somebody you may not know. And then you've got to go and try to mail it or ship it and all that stuff. And then you've got all these issues of what to do with all these extra cables and all that stuff. So, I mean, it, like I said, we've tried to make it easier on the customers for sure and have some sort of standardized setup, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Justin, um, you've, you've had some incredible business advice and, and just, you can just tell your passion through all of this. Um, man, if you could come, I guess, come up with one piece of advice to someone looking to build a business around something they're passionate about, what would that be? Oh man, there's a million ways to make a million dollars. Just find your one way and stick with it. And be wild about it. You know, um, 
I had an uncle that told me a long time ago, find something you really, really like to do it well, and you'll never have to worry about anything. And that's kind of been our thing is I've always loved boats and I love every boat out there. Just, just so people understand, like I have boats besides bass boats. Like I love big boats. I love pleasure boats. I love wakeboarding boats. I, I really, really love boats Yeah, and, and stuff like that. I've got uh, my dream, like uh-huh. 60, 70 years looking back. I want a museum full of iconic boats from like the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and a lot of those being bass fishing boats <laughs> and, and stuff. I've got a few right now. I've got a cool old champion. I've got a cool older ranger and stuff like that, but I love boats. So find something you really like to do, do it well and stick with it. I mean, there's plenty of times that it gets really, really hard. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's times that looking back at it, somebody probably would have said, Jesus, you're really worth, you think it's going to be worth doing that. You should probably quit. And we didn't, you know, so you just need to figure out a way to make it work, you know, get some grit, put hard work into it and have some right things go along the way and and just keep trucking and rocking and rolling. I like it, man. I like it. All right. Well, last, last bit of the show is your three biggest personal best. And this would ask every guest guest that comes on so personal best small mouth spotted bass large mouth where you were what you caught them on we'll let you okay. get out of here <laughs> personal uh large mouth uh falcon lake back in the prime not a giant eight four caught on a football jig on, like a big one man yeah caught on a football jig like third cast of a tournament um wow in a, der- in a derby though that's cool yeah a- yeah um small mouth is a 512 out of el dorado really right there right by you yep uh, caught it's on a buzzbait, black buzzbait. Yeah, no way, top water. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Crushed it. That was fun. Heck yeah. Spotted bass. I've never really weighed one. Um, yeah, that's a common answer here, man. We get that a lot, unless they're California. In four three. So I'm gonna say probably that one. That's the one that sticks out. That was caught at Grand Lake, ironically enough. Not a lot of wow. Grand Lake. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, not. I don't catch a lot of spotted bass. I'm I'm heading to South Carolina in a couple weeks. Nice. So. Maybe I'll catch a bigger one out there. I don't really know. So we'll see. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Awesome. Well, Justin, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, For those people interested in everything you've got going on with Russell Marine Products, what's the best way to to follow along and uh, maybe get some electronics purchased, whatever folks are interested in? Yeah. Um, YouTube's an easy way to follow us on just an education standpoint. But if you want to see some stuff going on with – fishing shop related stuff expansion some stuff that we're working on instagram has a lot of photos of what we got going on our facebook page has a lot of stuff that with what we're going on i'll be honest we need to be better about keeping up with that stuff but we just get insanely busy this time of year so that kind of becomes a back burner for yeah. sure but no we're, we're working better we've got a full-time media guy here a full-time marketing guy now so we're starting to add a lot more fuel to that fire awesome awesome justin well Take care and, and have a good rest of your evening. Hopefully the snowstorm doesn't hit you too hard anyway. It is Hopefully here. not. Hopefully not. <laughs> but man, thanks for coming on. And uh, that was an awesome show. Appreciate well, it. Absolutely. Glad to be on anytime. Thank you again, Adam. Absolutely. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners. 
where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.